This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post. You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic. Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Jess Ostroff. She is the founder and director of Calm at Don't Panic Management, a firm that provides virtual staff members and assistants. And she's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Panic Proof, How the Right Virtual Assistant Can Save Your Sanity and Grow Your Business. So Jess, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, John. I'm so happy to be here. Well, now, um, do you qualify as a millennial age-wise? <laughs> um, yes, technically, I was born in the millennial years. Although I don't, I don't identify with all of the millennial traits. Well, so. your, your, your job title is certainly very millennial-like. I think. Yes. Director yes. of Calm. So everybody needs one of those. Though. <laughs> right. Well, so, that's the benefit of starting your own business. You get to create your own title right, too, right? right. <laughs> I d I've chosen to go no title. I don't know people are saying, well, what should we call you? I said, just John. Works. Just John. That's great. So you have th this virtual assistant space really, I probably hired somebody virtually that I would call a virtual assistant 12, 13, maybe 15 years ago. Um, but this space once was kind of a odd thing that people did out there like me that were online has really very, very mainstream in the last five years. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. I think you were probably one of the earliest adopters. <laughs> if you were doing it 15 years ago, it was definitely a strange phenomenon at that time. Well, so in your view, and again, I know you have, don't panic, what, six years old or so, five years old? We officially started in 2011. I had started freelancing in 2010. So, um, you know, eight years of freelancing, but seven years or so of the business. Okay. So, so you have a, a long enough view to kind of say, here's, here's how it's changed. Would, mm -hmm. would you want to share that with us? Sure. Well, for me, I mean, one of the biggest changes that I've noticed is that people are getting more specialized in their requests. So it used to be, I need a virtual assistant period, <laughs> you know, and that was the big ask. And now it's like, I need a virtual assistant to produce my podcast, or I need a virtual assistant to schedule my meetings and book my travel. So people are getting more specific with their needs, which I think is great because they're there's not a one size fits all approach with virtual assistants. And a lot of times assistants may think that they're jacks or jills of all trades, <laughs> but they're really not, you know? And I think it's important for the assistants to hone in on the skills that they are really good at and for the prospective clients to really understand what exactly they need. Because, you know, you could find someone who's really great at scheduling and also really great at podcasting. You know, those people do exist. Um, 
I think you have one of them uh, that's working with you right now, John. Uh, but those are rare. And so uh, the more specialized you can get, the better. Or, you know, I think you need to be willing to be able to spend some time training your assistant and making sure that they understand how you like things done and when you want them done and deadlines and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, and so we'll, we'll definitely cover that in very specific detail. I'm going to ask you mm -hmm. some questions about that. But going mm -hmm. back to that idea of specialization, I think that that's kind of gone both ways. I think a yeah. lot of people have realized, hey, I, you know, you bring an employee in and you've got a, a task for them to do and they do that for about 20 hours a week and then you realize, I got to fill up their time and so I'm going to give right. them all this other stuff that they don't like to do but I need done. And I think that that that's really what people are waking up to is I can get somebody just to do this one thing because they're really good at that one thing. And so I can get really good for not much or, you know, for very affordable. Um, right. and, and so I think that that mindset has really changed, hasn't it? The that, that both the virtual folks that are out there marketing themselves as virtual staff and the, the buyer of that have realized that specialization is a good thing. I'll, I'll get five virtual assistants because they all do five different things. Absolutely. And I think that it's it's not their fault for not thinking of that sooner. <laughs> um, I think that it, it seems like the obvious solution, right? But but for the longest time, people were bound by their geographic location and whoever was around them. And they either didn't want to or didn't trust that somebody that wasn't sitting right next to them could actually get the work done. And now that we've seen, uh, you know, you and all kinds of people have found success with working virtually. There's no reason not to hire somebody that's not right next to you. And I think, I mean, I think that's the reason why people were hiring employees in the first place. Even if they only had 20 hours of work, you know, they'd hire full time because they're saying, well, I like this person. They're good at what they're doing. I want to have them. So I don't have any other choice. But now the choice is, I mean, there are so many choices and so many ways to get the right person for the right job. Well, and, and I tell you, one thing that a lot of people don't think about, I think it's unfair to both parties. When you bring an employee in and you don't either have enough for them to do or you have them do five things because you want to fill up the time, there's mm -hmm. a good chance that three of those five things they hate. Right. And not and, and probably weren't hired to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, and so I think it's kind of unfair for both parties. Absolutely. The, and, and I think that once you realize that, I mean, sometimes you have to have a bad experience um, with that before you realize. Uh, but, but what if, but that's also just a challenge of whether you want to grow your business or not too. I mean, if you hire someone that you are investing in to be a full-time employee and you maybe don't have all the full-time work for them yet, but you want to grow into that, you know, that could be a good investment because you're, you're kind of building on their skills and you're training them as you go and you're getting their buy-in in terms of culture and things like that. And yeah, they may have to do a few things that they don't want to do uh, in the meantime, but I think if you can nurture that relationship, it could be a good thing. Um, but you know, if, if it turns out that you don't actually want to grow and, uh, you were just <laughs> hiring, hiring a full-time person cause you thought you had to, and you thought you had no other choice, then that's right. It's, it's not great for anybody. So the first two virtual assistants I hired were terrible. They kept asking me what I wanted them to do and how mm. I wanted them to do it. Mm. And, <laughs> and I just wanted them to like do stuff. 
Like figure uh, it out. <laughs> so I'm being facetious, but I think that right. that is such a, a crucial component. I think in some ways you might feel like I need to hire somebody, but boy, the work that you do to figure out what you're going to hire them to do is so important. I mean, how mm. do you, how do you come up with what I want help with, what I want this person to specifically do? Well, I think that if you are struggling to come up with things, you might not be ready for help. I think that the people that are really ready are the people who find themselves like being pulled in a million directions. They feel like things are slipping through the cracks. They wake up in the middle of the night worrying about something that didn't get done, you know, just really bursting at the seams with well, things. I, I guess that was really my question. I'm, I'm talking about somebody who who is now trying to figure out what do I get? What's going to be the most valuable to get off my plate? Cause I can't right. do it all. Let's put it. Okay. That way. So how do we figure that out? Right. Well, I always recommend doing sort of an audit on your life and that includes that the painful. <laughs> it is painful. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty painful. Um, but it's, it's really useful and you only have to do it for a few days to start to see some patterns in what you're doing and what you're focusing your time on. And I know for me and for a lot of clients that I've done this exercise with, you notice that you're spending a lot of time on little tiny things, you know, and all of those little things make up a day, but you're never getting a chance to spend the time on the things that you truly care about or the things that you built your business on in the first place. Or if you do get to do them, you know, you're having to do them late at night or on the weekends. And it shouldn't be that way. Unless you're a total workaholic and you just love it, <laughs> love doing it that way, you should be building in time during the regular work hours for those big important projects and those things that you truly love to do or are uniquely qualified to do. But you can't figure out what those are until you actually are honest with yourself and you write down every single little thing that you do every day. I recommend doing this for a week, um, but you may only get through a couple of days and that's okay. But um, once you have it all written down, you can start to see, hey, you know, I spent an hour writing this proposal, or I spent 30 minutes trying to figure out how to send this invoice, or um, I called the the car place to get my car in for an appointment and they put me on hold for 20 minutes or, you know, little things like that, where that's already like two hours right there that a virtual assistant could have done for you. And so once you've kind of identified all of the things that you're doing, you can start to look at basically two buckets. What are the things that I love and am uniquely qualified to do in one bucket? And then just everything else, <laughs> because you really should only be doing the things that you are, you must do and the things that you love. And then everything else should either be delegated or automated or relegated. You know, there are a lot of things that people are doing in their work and in their life that they don't need to do for any reason. You know, it's not contributing to the bottom line. It's not something that's making them happy. It's just like a waste of time. I mean, checking Facebook 10 times a day, like, if you're not a social media manager or a PR person, you don't need to do that. You know, save Facebook for after work or save it for, you know, specifically designated hours. But don't waste all your time getting sucked into social networks and, and wasteful things because time is money. And I think that a lot of people don't realize how much time they're wasting each and every day. And I think when you look at 
that from a really data-driven perspective of how each minute and each hour of your days are being spent, you can see the real value of what a virtual assistant can bring because theoretically, you know, if you're doing it right, <laughs> your rates per hour are going to be exponentially higher than what a virtual assistant rate will be, which means that as soon as you hire a VA to take those hours off your plate, you can be billing at your normal rate for more work that you love to do. I, I a lot of times like to tell entrepreneurs, you know, I, I always chuckle when people, young couples talk about waiting to have children until they're ready. Mm. Um, and you're never ready. <laughs> and, uh, as somebody who's been through this experience, you're never ready. And I think it's true of hiring a virtual assistant. There's that trap in thinking, oh, I'm going to do this when I get to this point or when I'm right. ready. And what happens is I think if you don't, and I tell every consultant that joins, you know, that starts a business, joins the duct tape marketing consultant network, plan on it right now. <laughs> that yeah, This is yeah. going to be something that you do because otherwise you'll, your plate will get full. And it's actually, you know, sadly, Sometimes it's harder. It's a step backwards to hire a virtual assistant for a mm -hmm. while in mm -hmm. some cases because you've got to train them. You've got to get up to speed and you've got to hold their hand until they get up to speed maybe. And so, you you know, if you're so busy that you can't invest that time, you, you kind of are trapped. Absolutely. I always say that it's an investment. You know, people think it's like, oh, it's going to make me money right away. Well, no. That's not how investments work. <laughs> you have to put in the money, you have to put in the time, and then you're going to get something out of it. But it's going to take a little while, you know, depending on how many hours you have with this person, it's going to take, you know, one to three to six months for you to start to see the results. But, but it's going to, it's, it's going to be worth it because all of a sudden you're going to find all this time back in your schedule and you're going to be able to grow your business in a, in a much more intentional and focused way. Um, but yeah, I, have you ever gone into an organization and helped them figure out what would be the best use of, of a virtual resource or two? Yeah, I, I help people with operations consulting, if you will. Um, and because a lot of them, you know, it's like you can't see the forest for right. the trees. And so I do go in and talk to them. Um, some people have said when they talk to me, it's like they're in a spa, <laughs> <laughs> which is really sweet because I'm just saying, you know, here's something that can, can get off your plate. Here's something that can get off your plate. Here's something that this other person should be doing. Why isn't this person doing it? You know, why are you doing it? And they're like, oh, my goodness, I feel better already. It's like, okay, that's good. You know, cherish that feeling right now, but you know, you're still going to have to do some work to get another person up to speed with all of this because, you know, like you were saying, I mean, you, you understand this, John, but a lot of people think that it's a magical turnkey solution where it's like, well, I signed the contract. That's all I have to do. They're a virtual assistant. They should be able to figure it out. And that's just not the case. I mean, you wouldn't do that with an employee. You wouldn't do that with someone who was coming into your, your office to work with you. So, um, you know, that's a big misconception that I think people need to sort of get over that uh, it does take not only a financial investment, but a, a time investment to make sure that the person is doing what you want. And again, I think the more that you put in up front, the more you're going to get out of it and the better your relationship is going to be. You know, you want you want a virtual assistant that you can be with for as long as possible because you don't want to have to reinvent the wheel. You don't want to have to waste that time again, you know, going through. Um, 
you know, I definitely think putting processes into place and even, you know, get your assistant to document those processes. That always helps in case you do have a turnover for whatever, you know, someone gets sick or has some kind of emergency that does happen. Um, but you want to try and put your best foot forward to make sure that your assistant will want to stay with you, you know, forever and ever. But I think that's really, I want to go back to that point because I'm going to hold you to that. I think, I think <laughs> offering a service that came in and helped somebody free up 10 hours a week first, you know, get stuff off their plate, you know, would maybe give them the, the, the ability then to start seeing where the processes, you know, needed to be implemented. So I'm, I think I think you ought to promote the heck out of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the second scenario I want to run by you is I know when I'm, I know stuff I shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the stuff that makes me feel good to do, mm -hmm. even if it's not the best thing for the business. How do you get business owners? And I really am sort of telling on myself a little bit, but how do you get business owners who all good intentions <laughs> set all that up, but then they won't let go? I mean, what's, what's a process to finally let them get them to let go? Well, I'll tell you what I did because I'm just like you. <laughs> um, I we I worked with a, a, a financial accounting company and also with a business coach. And what we did was we actually created a spreadsheet that was all about the cost of services. And the cost of services sheet showed, of course, not only what actual hours we were uh, billing and delivering to clients, but also all of the hours that we were spending on, you know, internal tasks, like invoicing, like sending Christmas cards, you know, anything and everything. And we kind of did our own audit as a company. And what I saw was that the things that I was spending my time on that were that were not being billed or being somehow, you know, accrued at the hourly rate that my salary was charging, we were losing money as a company. Physically, you know, it's it's right there. It shows it showed me in the spreadsheet. And 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 when I did that, I did it with my leadership team. So there was some visibility and transparency in that. And then I said, well, and then they were like, come on, Jess, like <laughs> you're, you're not just losing money for yourself. You're losing money for us. You know, if we took these few things off our, your plate, we could get a raise. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that simple, of course, but having the accountability of my team saying, remember, Jess, you shouldn't do that. Who can we get to do it instead? And also seeing that the bottom line was directly affected by the hours that I was spending that weren't earning what my salary charged. I just, I had to do it as soon as possible because even though I was, I, you know, was physically hiring someone else to do some of those things and yes, that costs money. It didn't cost as much as me doing it myself. Yeah, and I think that uh, you use the accountability word. I think that's huge because a lot of business owners uh, don't have anybody to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I'm the boss. Right. Know, I do whatever I feel like doing. Right. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's such a great case for a business coach or a mentor of somebody to at least try to make yourself accountable because I, yeah. I think that's a big gap. 
And every month when we have our meetings, they say, how are you doing? How are you doing getting those 10 hours off your plate or whatever it is? And I, and I say, well, you know, <laughs> and if I've done it, I'm really excited. And if I haven't, then I'm embarrassed. And, <laughs> you know, you don't want to feel that way when somebody is directly watching you and making sure that you're doing what you said you were going to do. So here's a question I suspect a lot of people have. I have worked with several uh, folks that you have helped us find and uh, have been extremely happy. But I'm sure people want to know, how, how do you find these people? How do you qualify them? How do you make sure that they are going to deliver not only on your brand, but on what I need? Yeah, uh, it's it's not easy. I think at Don't Panic, we are fortunate to have a, we've been building up on our blog posts and working on our website for years. And now um, we do have a little bit of search juice. So when people are searching for, you know, virtual assistant job or remote job or um, a thrival job, which I had never even heard that term before, but we have a couple of blog posts about thrival work, which basically means like you're, you're, you're able to live, you know, the life you want and, you know, pursue your passions while still having a job. So it's kind of like, well, it's exactly what a virtual assistant job is in many ways, but um, we get a ton of applicants from that search term. And and so we have sort of a pool of people that are always coming in. And so our tech, you know, quote unquote hiring process is always open. Um, anybody can fill out a form at any time and we are always doing interviews. And I think that like to your point before, when you said, you know, clients should prepare to do this. <laughs> um, I think that it's a good idea for people to just always keep their eyes and ears open, even if they don't have sort of a formal application process on their site or somewhere. If they come across somebody that they like or that they know is looking for some remote work, uh, do an interview with them and see how it's going. Even if you're not ready to hire them, I think it's always great to have people like that in your back pocket. Um, if you're not sort of, you know, if you can't find people that way, the first thing I always recommend is asking your network. You know, John, you're a great resource for for people, and and there are tons of other people in the industry and in your industry, you know, if it's not our industry, who have experience with virtual assistants. And I think you'd be surprised. You know, a lot of people keep their virtual assistants uh, <laughs> under wraps. You know, a lot of people, they don't know that they're working with a virtual assistant. You know, they're not hiding it on purpose necessarily, but you just wouldn't know. Um, so asking your, your network, you know, putting out a post on Facebook or LinkedIn is is great because then you actually get vetted recommendations. And then if you if you don't quite have that, I think the best place to start your search is on LinkedIn. And like I was talking about earlier, if you know what sort of services you want, do that search. So podcasting virtual assistant or admin virtual assistant. You know, if you just search virtual assistant, you're going to get a ton and you're probably going to get a lot of crap. But if the more specialized you can search, the better your results will be. Um, there are also some other agencies, you know, obviously Don't Panic is one of them, but there are other virtual assistant agencies. I know um, Michael Hyatt recommends EA Help. Um, I think they're based in Europe and not everybody wants to deal with time zone issues, but 
Um, but there are tons of other agencies out there too, if you want to kind of go through that process. And then of course there's Upwork. Um, there are places where, you know, again, I think because those marketplaces are so big, it can take a lot more work on the front end to find someone who's really good. And you might not want to deal with that. (laughs) You might want, you know, someone else to kind of help you find somebody instead, but there are tons of places for you, for people to look. Um, but again, I think starting with your own network and trying to get a vetted referral or recommendation is the best place to go. Final question, and hopefully this won't be embarrassing. But it might Uh-oh. Be. What's the oddest request you've ever gotten from a client? Oh. <laughs> I've totally... Show, remember, this show is rated G, so... Right, right, right. Well, no, I don't think we've <laughs> ever gotten any R-rated requests, <laughs> okay, yeah. um, but we've definitely gotten some weird ones. Um, I'm trying to think. I, when I was living in New York, um, when I was first starting the business, people thought that I was... Uh, an executive assist- or like a personal mm-hmm. assistant, you know, uh, and could, and I did up, have my laundry kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I did have a lot of people asking me for those sort of, yeah, like pick up tasks and things like that. But sometimes what I, well, first I would say no, but I've also had to do a lot of like shipping stuff for clients. Uh, um, but what I would do <laughs> was I would say, okay, it's going to take, you know, 20 hours. And then I'd hire like a task rabbit, <laughs> um, to come to my house and do, do, do the the packaging and then I would just check everything and put the addresses on. But I'm trying to think of the weirdest request. I mean, I've had some things where okay, okay, this is def- this is PG, but it's like weird. Um, one of one of our clients was going through a divorce and we had to, we would do like, you know, some more, you know, admin assistant stuff. And we were doing things like sending flowers to people. And you normally we don't really look at like who we're sending stuff to or where, you know, but we started to be, be asked to send a lot of things like that to one particular person. And it kind of came out that there was a, you know, unfaithful situation. And it was just so awkward, you know, to kind of piece that together and be talking with the ex-wife and then the husband and the new girlfriend. And so I don't know, it wasn't like the weirdest thing, but it was definitely really awkward (laughs) for everybody. It's when being a director of Calm came in very handy. Exactly. (laughs) Jess, thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully I'll see you next time we're out there in the New York area. Uh, Author of Panic Proof, How the Right Virtual Assistant Can Save Your Sanity and Grow Your Business. Tell people where they can find you, Jess. Yes. Well, I'm on most social media platforms at Jess Ostroff. Um, my site is jessostroff.com and you can buy the book there or you can just search for it on Amazon. That always works too. And then Don't Panic, you can find at don'tpanicmgmt.com. And if you're interested in working with us or becoming a VA, you'll see links on that site for both. And, and will you find a testimonial from Duct Tape Marketing? I think maybe. Yes, I think not, so. Not, yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a very happy, satisfied client. And that's why I thanks. really wanted to have you on here and have uh, some other people meet you as well. So thanks for joining me, Jess. Thank you so much.
episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.